Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we ask for a pouring, an outpouring of thy Holy Spirit as we consider the words that are contained in the Bible. Dear Father, no man can take anything of himself, figure things out on his own under his own power. But we need thy spirit, dear Father. We need the spirit that was in Christ Jesus, the one who was revealed, who revealed the Father to us. We need that spirit even this hour. We need him day by day, moment by moment. Dear Father, and for those that don't realize this, those that are living their lives under their own power, their own direction, their own spirit, dear Father, we pray that thou would speak to them this hour, show them what is missing in their lives, show them the big gap, the God-sized hole that is within them. Dear Father, we thank thee so much for all that we have been given already this day, the, the blessings of, of hearing thy word, of, of uh, seeing... Uh, children grow and, and reach another milestone and thy faithfulness to us in the past dear father thou art so good and it is for this reason uh, we praise thee dear father for for thy goodness to us and which is tied to thy character it's because of who thou art that thou art so good dear father and thou dost love and wants to pour out that love for all mankind and so dear father we thank thee also at this time as we ask for thy presence please be with us we pray this in the name of jesus amen i'd like to read with the lord's help out of first uh, timothy the fourth chapter first timothy chapter four starting with verse one Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, 
in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. I've read to the end of chapter 4. May God bless the reading of his word. This morning we heard a message that was an encouragement to uh, those that were graduating from Sunday school and which I'm sure was an encouragement and, and a lesson to all of us. And my thoughts go in the same vein this afternoon, particularly the, the last five verses of this chapter. But before we get there, I'd, I'd like to beginning at the beginning and, and think a little bit about the warning that is given right at the beginning of this chapter, which gives some context to what, what I think is the theme, actually, of this chapter, and that theme is godliness, kind of woven into this, actually. It's, it's, quite a, it's a word that comes up a lot in, in 1 Timothy. I don't know um, how many of you follow news in... Christian quote-unquote circles, wider Christianity. Um, but it's been shocking to me over the past several years to hear um, some news come out or evidence that those that were purportedly uh, godly teachers that, that taught things that sounded good and were sound was later revealed that um, they were struggling with serious sin in their lives. And in reading this chapter, I think God answered some of the questions I had about that, about how could things get like that? People that you maybe looked up to, or, or people that at least, you know, most of what they said, you could say, oh, that, that sounds pretty good. You, it, it comports with what the Bible says. Um, there's nothing, obviously, I can say it, it, it's, it's wrong. What's this dichotomy? Why, why did things uh, get this way? And I think on some level, when we preach, when we, when we proclaim God's word, there is one action of, of teaching, as this, this, uh, this chapter covers it very clearly, that, that we have to teach and proclaim these things, to read, exhort. But coupled with that, and what cannot be separated from that, is godliness, is godly living. And I think along the way for some of these different people, and I'm, I am not the judge of them, uh, they, they will answer to the Lord for, for, for what they've done, there came a separation between what they were teaching on the one hand, what was coming out, the things that's, that they were saying, and what they were doing. And this verse, the second verse, actually became true. Even though the words sounded good, they were speaking lies in hypocrisy, that there was a 
a, a, a dual nature. There was, a, there was a, a difference between what they said and what they did. And you could almost take the words that they said and kind of put them by themselves and say, yeah, that's still good teaching, but you can see the devil's work in that to overturn that good teaching because people can just point and say, well, he didn't really believe what he said. Look what he ended up doing. And, and all that good teaching, in a way, is kind of put aside and set aside, and the devil has his work there as, as um, those people give in to him. And I think the air that... that happened along the way is that godliness was neglected. And um, I think it has to do with what we heard this morning about roots. That those roots, you know, there was the focus on the fruit and what was coming out and the good things, but those roots, they withered and died. And those roots that are, start right from a young age, from when we hear those things, are taught those things, when we learn what godliness is. Because there, is, there are two types of godliness. And he gives an example here of this first type, which is a false type of godliness. Uh, in, in verses 2 and 3 here, um, he addresses, in that day there were some that were, they looked like they really knew what they were talking about. They talked religiously, they talked good, but it was, what they were saying was not, it did not comport with God's word, and there was things going on in their lives that were not right. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats. I get the impression here that these people were super religious, quote-unquote, in the sense of, of they thought, well, you know, we're just going to be so particular about our diet and um, uh, we're going to make a commandment that, you know, if you want to be really spiritual, then you shouldn't get married or something like that, whatever it was. And by doing that, they were swerving from the truth and, and there was behind that, I'm sure, a lot of ungodliness in terms of the lifting up themselves, of, 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 of promoting their brand and what they, uh, um, and who they were. I don't think that is so much of a, um, a, a challenge today uh, um, in terms of the, you know, going back to Judaism or those kinds of pitfalls. But I think there is equally the challenge today of this separation between <clears throat> the necessary godliness, the being like God, that's what godliness is, and the teaching. There can be this dis dis distancing over time that people neglect. And I think Paul's direction to Timothy is all in this vein to, 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 to realize that this is the devil's um, his means of attack, that, that those that speak the truth, those that are, that are um, commanded to, to proclaim it, to model it, Satan's going to attack them, is going to try and, and, and make them um, compromise some way personally or, or, or with neglect, whatever it is. And his answer to that is these verses 12, 13, 14, 15. And I think that our youth need to understand that and, and, and make those good habits, those good patterns of behavior now to establish those things so that that godliness would take root. So what is godliness? I said it's, it's the characteristics being like God. But I, I go back to the, the previous 
verse here in the, in the, the previous chapter, the last verse of the, of the previous chapter, 316, which is a verse that I don't completely understand, but the more I thought, it says, without controversy, <clears throat> great is the mystery of godliness. And then you'd, you'd expect to him to say something about the life of the believer or something, but no, he talks about God. As great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. And he gives a little kind of, this is probably a quote from a hymn. Uh, some people, when they read the Greek, they kind of see a regular pattern this. Could be. And I had to kind of go over that verse. Great is the mystery of godliness. And then why does he talk about Basically, what is an encapsulation of the gospel? It's, the answer is very simple, I guess. Maybe I was struggling with it too much. Godliness starts with the gospel. It starts with looking at Jesus, understanding that he was manifest in the flesh, and that if I want to be godly, if I want to cultivate godliness in my life, I first have to look to Jesus. And, and last, and all the way through, I have to believe this gospel. What we are doing here now today what we are teaching, this is the means to cultivate godliness. What happened 2,000 years ago, the manifestation of God in Jesus Christ was seen of angels, it says here. It could be the, the heavenly beings, but angels can also be messengers. The people that saw him, saw what he did, said they then proclaimed it. They went and shared it with others, and that's what we're doing today with you as we proclaim this word this is the mystery of godliness. This is the thing that was hidden. Not that there weren't godly people in the Old Testament. We have lots of examples of that. But now it's, it's, it's made clear. The thing that was kind of hidden and obscure, now it's clear. Everyone can be godly. Everyone can have godliness. They just need to look to Jesus. Believed on in the world. And now the one that we believed on, he's received up into glory and he enables and he helps us to be godly. And then I don't think we have to worry about the warning he gives in, in, in the beginning of chapter 4 about seducing spirits, departing from the faith, those that once believed the faith and, and departed and got caught up in things. And, and, and eventually there's this dichotomy between what they professed maybe at one time or even continued to profess with their lips, but then the way they live is totally different as long as we are looking to Jesus. So I think the first part of this chapter, there's a, there's a warning for us. It's a warning for the youth, too. Those, those things that you have learned and maybe embraced, there is someone who wants to seduce you. And the way they will do that is by using your own flesh and your own um, lack of focus on Jesus. It's when you give heed. It's when you turn aside and you start focusing on what else someone else is saying that maybe sounds good and is in the process is maybe lifting you up in a way that's not healthy and not good, that's when you give heed to seducing spirits and, and get confused and get something that sounds, this sounds really spiritual, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from meat, but it is not according to truth, according to what we learn in the Bible, that everything is created by God, everything is to be received with thanksgiving, it's sanctified by God's word and by prayer.
this pursuit of godliness. I think for our youth, this is the way to develop roots. It's for us at any age, that continuing pursuit of godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little. But godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is. There are blessings in this life that are obvious for anyone who has eyes to see the blessings of godliness. And there is the promise of the life which is to come. In godliness, in this pursuit of godliness, as we pursue these things, the promise of that eternal life becomes brighter, becomes clearer, becomes surer. As I pursue what God wants of me and the character that he wants to develop in me, I become more confident and more sure of that promise of eternal life. That, wow, what a promise is in godliness. It's not some kind of back pocket insurance. Yeah, I believed once. I signed a card. I have a certain positional salvation that, yeah, I understand. No. As I pursue godliness, the character of God, I have more of an assurance. I know, yes. I don't have doubts. I don't have questions. They may come. The answer is always to look again to God, to look to Jesus. Because we know that the pursuit of other things, and and the youth need to hear this too, the pursuit of other things, um, they're not going to amount to much. It seems like it has some gain. You're, you're, You're making gain of with your body or with your career or with whatever it is. But the prophet is temporal at best. And just to underscore that, he says, verse 9, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Everyone should be able to accept this, that godliness is important. It's not an optional thing. It's not something that I'm going to put this aside temporarily to pursue. I'm going to take my studies at school really seriously for this short time, and then maybe I'll pursue godliness later. It, It doesn't work like that. How do we pursue godliness? 12, starting with verse 12 here, some, some practical examples here. It is something that touches every aspect of our lives. He says, Be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, how you deal with other people, in, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. It, it's all those inner things that come out in every interaction. That's godliness. It's not a set of behaviors that are prescribed, as long as I'm doing these things, I'm godly. Or as long as I'm looking this way, that's not it. It goes far deeper than that. It's the love that I show to other people that motivate me, that opens me to their need. It's, it's the, the purity that I um, pursue and follow. It's what we're doing today, as I said earlier, verse 13. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. These are the things that inculcate godliness as we read God's word together. And if we're not serious about church attendance, I don't think it's really possible to, to, to be saying I'm pursuing godliness. I'm not, I'm not equating church attendance with godliness in the the way that as long as I attend, then I'm godly. We know that it doesn't work that way. But if I pursue God and his character, it will come out in wanting to to hear his word, wanting to study it, wanting to be earnest and and sincere about it. As he says, give thyself wholly to them. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them. i got to wonder, how much do I give myself wholly 
to God's Word, to studying these things, to, to, to uh, pressing them close against my breasts in, in a metaphorical way so that they, they transfer, they make a change, they make an impression on me. You know, if it's something that I, I just read periodically or I, you know, okay, I did my chapter or whatever, that's not a pursuit. That's not a giving myself wholly to these things. And, and when we do this, it will be evident to other people that thy a profiting may appear to all. It won't be the pseudo-religious sort of, oh, he looks really, uh, uh, he talks a good talk and he says things that sound good. No, it's going to come out in a way that people who have the Spirit of God or, or know the speaking of the Spirit of God, they realize this individual is godly. They are, they, when I look at them, when I see what they're doing, that to me, reminds me of God and his characteristics, who he is, his holiness, his, his love, his care, his purity. That's, that's godliness. Take heed unto thyself. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Catch that in the last verse there. I think that's part of the pursuit of godliness, too. Uh, is, is an awareness of my weaknesses of the things that, that I will, that are ungodly, that don't please God within me, that are going to be the weaknesses, the things that turn me aside from that pursuit. I need to take heed of those things in myself and unto the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. That's a, a serious consequence. It doesn't give the impression that I just have to give you a certain, uh, a certain doctrine that you believe and then go away and then that's fine. No, it's, it's like a continued thing, right? In doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. As we, as we preach the whole gospel of God, as we pursue this godliness, it works out God's salvation in us. This is, this is how salvation works. It's not a, a one-time experience that, that um, we have just long ago and then it kind of, we kind of grow increasingly distant from it. It has increasingly less relevance. No, it's, a, it's an experience that was transformative, that was life-changing, and that we continue in, and that we go in, in that continuing direction. And that's how God works out his salvation in us. We're not earning that salvation. We're not. It's not a workspace salvation, but it is a... It is a salvation that works, as has been said. I have doubts many times about my own abilities as a minister. About, um, you know, especially going back to what I was saying at the beginning, you see some of these far more gifted men that um, the things they say, wow, he's got a great and effective way of reaching others, and, and this is seem to, seeming to make an impact but when I read God's word, and I'm reminded of this thing, it's, it's the pursuit of godliness. It's putting the brethren in remembrance of these things. That is what qualifies me. Thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, verse 6. That's, the, that's what I need to keep my eyes on. Not um, to take classes for elocution or, or whatever, the, the, to add something I need to pursue, I need to meditate, I need to, to, um, to give heed to myself and, um, and everything that I do. 
that's what will qualify me as a minister of Jesus Christ, and that's what will make me be effective and useful in God's kingdom. And I, that is a great source of comfort to me. It's not um, my halting words or, or um, inabilities to phrase things in a way that will um, motivate you or, or whatever it is. We have already been given so much. Whereunto thou hast attained. We've been given so much. The, the gospel, pure and free. We have everything, uh, the riches in Christ Jesus, as we read this morning. We just have to pursue it. Like, it's there, but we have to follow it. That's the, this, this contradiction, this, this paradox with godliness and, and following God's way. So I'd like to encourage you in that way this afternoon hour, in the youth particularly, as, as you make decisions about what's important in your lives, what you're going to pursue, following after God is the, the thing. And to my brother and sister who's walked many years, um, we will not be secede, we will not be seduced, we will not um, depart from the faith if we pursue godliness, if we pursue God's purposes and his, the character that he is building in us. May he do that. May we not be a hindrance to that process. We um, trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. We trust in him as the one who is working out this salvation in us. May God bless his word and add what was lacking. are young let me just read verses 12 and 13 uh, and 14 again 15 12 let no man despise thy youth but be thou an example of the believers in word in conversation in charity in spirit in faith in purity till I come give attendance to reading to exhortation to doctrine neglect not the gift that is in thee which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. My heart's desire for our young people is not, though I wish you all the best, a successful career or um, a comfortable life or... what this world counts as success, what's profitable by this world's measure. My hope and my prayer for you is that you may profit in God's kingdom, is, is, is the character that he develops in you as you become more like him. As you look to Jesus, as you see the way Jesus was on this earth, what he preached about, as you, as uh, 2 Corinthians says about looking at him, you are changed from glory to glory. That's the success. That's the profit that I desire. I pray for you in, in the days ahead, in the years ahead, as the years tick by, as you realize, as you get older, how quickly life goes, how fast it goes. That's my prayer for you, youth, and, and the, 
the instructions and the directions you've been given here are very simple. Realize all the things that God has given you and go deeper in them. And that's how you'll profit. That's, that's what will be worthwhile. My friend outside of Jesus Christ, all I can say to you is there is an invitation here in verse 10 that was given to you yet again this day. The living God who is the Savior of all men, he's willing to save everyone on this earth. His, the blood of his Son, Jesus Christ, is sufficient for every single person, every person. But to really make an effect, you have to believe, especially of those that believe. The Bible makes that 100% clear. So my friend outside of Christ, this pursuit of godliness really has no meaning for you, has no weight, has no um, impact until you come to Jesus, until you realize the need of, of, of a savior for your soul. Otherwise, it's just empty words. May God bless this on our hearts as we dismiss, as we go out the rest of this day, and, and allow us to understand what is profitable, what is really profitable. Godliness is profitable unto all things. With that, we conclude the service and commend you to the grace of God.